All right, well, welcome to the Mothership panel for Game Hole Con 2023. Uh, we're going to dive right in here. Thank you all for coming, though, first and foremost. Really appreciate you. Um, you kind of, I, I'm really excited about this panel. We did it at, uh, at Gen Con this year, and it was just myself and, and uh, the other Zach, and had a great time, had a, had a nice turnout. But then it just kind of coalesced that here at Game Hole Con, we had like a ton of Mothership creators. So this is like, I mean, I'm. I feel like I'm the, I'm the, I'm the small like. I'm, the, I'm in the junior high. You're in the middle of the table. Though. Yeah, but no, I'm. I'm standing <laughs> amidst you giants. Yeah, you yeah. Um, these are really cool people, and I'm really proud that that they're sitting up here with me. Um, and I think that they have a lot of cool insight and, and ideas and and experience that they can lend to you. I'm gonna let them introduce themselves to you. Um, but uh, they come in my mind with a very high pedigree, and and you're gonna if you're a fan of Mothership at all, you're gonna recognize some of their stuff 100%. Um, so let me just do a quick introduction of myself. My name is Zach Goins. I run a company called World of Game Design and uh, an additional company called Tabletop Fanatics. Um, World of Game Design publishes all sorts of RPGs, including Mothership stuff. So my book is Scrap Rats over here on the side. Um, and I published that a couple of years ago. We're getting ready to launch the sequel to Scrap Rats, the Scrap Rats Expanded Operations Manual, um, in the next couple of months. Um, and that's kind of been my insert into the field for the most part. But through Tabletop Fanatics, I also work alongside all of these yahoos to put their stuff out into the world. So we do retail sales, we do online sales, we do convention sales. Um, we help them with their Kickstarters and promotions in general. And so across the board, we've we've worked through about, I would say, about 20 different Mothership Kickstarters. We've kind of helped move through the process. And if you go down to the World of Game Design booth down there, you'll see roughly about 30 different products that we've had a hand in getting out into the world. Sometimes a very small hand, but um, that's been very cool. We also work alongside Sean McCoy at Tuesday Night Games. So they are the creators of the Mothership system at large. Um, and we represent them when we come to these shows. So if, uh, if you're interested in Mothership in general, talk to us, and next year you'll be able to pick up the official box set at shows just like this one. Um, hopefully, early part of next year we'll find out. Yeah, that's me. Um, let's start over on this, and Marco, you want to tell people who you are, what you're about? Yeah, my name is Marco Serrano. Uh, I run Spicy Tuna RPG, and we publish Mothership titles such as like Lazarus, Familiar Faces, Few weapons catalog, Conquered Downpours, our newest release out to the public, and we just finished the starting outsource. Um, yeah, and I just fell into uh, the mothership community, especially in the creators community, really early on in my publishing journey, and I've been really lucky to get to work in very intimately in a lot of ways with uh, other publishers who tell me figure things out, and uh, now I'm on about two years of publishing uh, different modules. And this is your full-time gig, is, is doing this for the yeah, most part, right? Yeah, for the most part, full-time working with it. Um, we run a few Kickstarters a year, and yeah. You mind you mind telling people what was the, the number on your latest Kickstarter funding? Yeah, so uh, we recently transitioned into hardcover books. So outsource is roughly 100 pages. We raised 34500 on Kickstarter, um, about a little over 600 books, uh, copies of that one, and yeah. Cool. Uh, Joel, go for it. Yeah, um, I'm Joel Hines. Uh, I wrote uh, uh, Desert Parts uh, and co-wrote a really considered a natural uh, Tide World of Manny, uh, Mani, which is uh, another uh, hardcover uh, book that's recently crowdfunded. It's just wrapping up uh, editing and getting into layout. Uh, also, uh, a fistful of uh, Tor Pods, a structure adventure. Silver Arm is my sort of uh, publishing imprint. I've also done some uh, uh, OSC uh, publishing of other uh, authors as well as Mothership one. And yeah, I, I love uh, Mothership. It's been a lot of fun writing for it. And uh, the sort of community of people with uh, ideas on uh, cool um, concepts and also uh, being able to swap uh, sort of uh, behind the scenes, like how do you actually make something? Who do you work with? How does this, how do you turn an idea into a thing has been really helpful and accessible and is much less of a scary process than I thought. Like you had to be... Uh, really somebody who knew everything in order to make an RPG product. Turns out you need to know very little uh, in order to make an RPG product and a little bit more to make a good RPG product, I think. Yeah, so 
Thank you. And Joel, what's a, what's a rough idea, just so people have an idea? Mm -hmm. um, it, it doesn't have to be your latest one, but what, yeah. what is a recent Mothership Kickstarter done for you? Uh, sure. Like, uh, I, I, I was really lucky with the timing on Abilities Considered Unnatural. That was like uh, 58000 uh, bucks on that one. And uh, it was uh, definitely uh, people had some interest on it, yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. Eric. Um, my name is Eric Alsandor. I am Spider00X. I do, I've been doing Mothership for like two years. Uh, Rain and Blood, Galaxy of Death, a bunch of credits, like, a, oh man, uh, Bioclones and Cryoclones, and a bunch of art layout for that. I did Greg Spear Loathing, I did I, logo for Terror Signal, I did some, I have a lot of, I'm a layout artist, I am not a writer, so when I write stuff it takes a lot of time, that's the hardest component, but if you give me a bunch of written material... I will turn it into artwork. Uh, I'm a full-time graphic designer. I'm also a bouncer, part-time. Tell people that because I work for a living. So when I'm not doing that, I'm doing art. I also do a lot of work for World of Game Design. I did um, the uh, Two Insanity stuff for y'all. I just Two finished Insanity, that. And then, uh, yeah. There's something else. I, it's a lot of stuff. I, got, I can't remember. Uh, I run an itch page. Um, I primarily do this kind of part-time. I kind of... I. I have a lot of little projects, so I try to do one or two big projects a year. Like Rain and Blood, for example, is 64 pages. It's a lot of work for me to do writing, layout, and art. Um, I've been a graphic designer my entire life. Um, I do, he's, Joel is right though. Like, my best friend did Gridshock. He's a librarian. But, you know, he put out an amazing product. And I was like, wait a minute, I've been making textbooks and instructional manuals my whole life. This is why am I? I've been gaming since I was twelve. What is stopping me from doing this? I have I'm a man of means in four forties. I have no children. I have some. I can fund some stuff. And I, I saw how easy it was, and then I go to conventions and talk to people and see their struggles or my struggles, and then now that, that's about it. Yeah, you know, perfect, perfect. Yeah, and I what you should notice here, right? And and we're gonna get to Greg here in just a second. But what what what's cool about this particular panel, I think, is there's four of us. Two of which are exclusive, almost exclusively in mothership. Four of us who are full time in the industry working, and so, like that to me is huge because it communicates the stability and the strength of this particular product line, the, this particular system, and its ability of the community to support indie creators, third party creators, whatever with their with their content. Uh, Greg, you're 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 the new guy, but I am. came out swinging. Tell us about Greg. Yes, uh, uh, my name's Gregory Harris. Uh, I wrote uh, Fear and Loathing on Bixby Station for World of Game Design, uh, Mothership Adventure that came out uh, hot off the press at uh, at uh, Origins, Origins this year. Uh, Eric did an amazing job on the layout to that. Um, at um, at Origins three years ago. Zach and Troy handed me a copy of the Zero edition of Mothership and said, you just, you have to check this out. You'll love this game. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I did. And I played, I read it, I devoured it, I played it as much as I could, and then started writing things, you know, and then uh, I actually got involved with them uh, doing copy editing because I have a background in publishing computer books. Um, working for a, a, a publisher in the daytime. And um, I was like, hey, I could, could I write an adventure for you? And he's like, I'd love you to write an adventure for me. Uh, Fear and Loathing on Bigsby Station was the result of that. And since then, uh, I've done some work on the Extended Operations Manual, so uh, uh, contributed to that a little bit. And I have a couple of more adventures in the pipeline uh, that you will be seeing in the next hopefully six months or so. Perfect. All right, so that's that's us. Um, we don't have to. I, I'm not going to ask each one of you individually to to give me your name and, and details and tell me why you're here and all that. But I am curious if you guys want to share. Do you mind telling me what you're curious or why you came to this panel in in general? Is it an interest in mothership as a system? Is it an interest as a creator that might help us kind of walk through some of our planned topics? Um, anything over here you want to share? So in real life, 
<laughs> sure. But those are still different. Right. So really interested in um, hearing you talk about when you get when you take those things and you look at it. How do you approach that to what you mean to become a Fantastic. Thank you. Anybody over here wanna yeah. Perfect. Okay. No, I don't actually own a, a copy of this game, but I got heard about it from somebody else who seems to own it. Buying it uh, is a simple question. Can I get it downstairs? And then also, I would love to hear about uh, any sort of inspirations that either you all draw from contemporarily, or maybe something else that, you know, like something from your childhood that maybe stays with you that you still, because there are some, like, four or five that still. Yeah, fast answer. You can't get the core rulebook downstairs because we're kind of in a weird transition state. Um, zero E is kind of what we've been writing on for a couple of years. And the Kickstarter happened for first edition. Since then, you can get, you can still download the rules for free and the kind of the basic rules on DriveThruRPG. Also, if you join the Mothership Discord, you can get access to like digital versions of some of the playtest material, things like that. Um, Enough of the game is available for, in PDF to where you can easily run it, no problem. I think the PDF is always free on Tuesday Night Games. It is, and the PDF, as it releases, yeah. will continue to be free for the player's guide indefinitely. So the, the rules of the system are completely available. That's out. That's out and available. Yeah, um, that's more or less correct. Yeah, to specify, it's the player survival guide. Which right. Is like the core rulebook for the players. It's all you really need. Yeah, but you can mm. back, uh, pre-order if you can back, the, the entire set, so they have like What we're going to have downstairs is stuff from these guys and some other stuff, oh, so yeah, supplementary. Yeah, absolutely, but appreciate you there. Yeah. Next year, there will be the core box down there alongside all their other stuff. We'll, we'll be very happy. <laughs> yeah, we will all be relieved because your question right there is a question that comes up like, an important question, and it comes up every con, and it's like, yes, that is the right question to ask as question number one, and uh, we're excited to finally have a great answer for that, hopefully very soon. It comes up at every uh, game session of Mothership, too. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Please. This is the guy right yeah, here. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. My name's Mark. I'm sort of, sort of newbie to uh, the Mothership of Simple Mothership name for a while. I'm considering becoming a creator myself and uh, thought I'd come here and see what, uh, what some of the pros have to say. Love that. Perfect. All right, so let's, let's dive into that. I think that what we'll start with, based off the statements that we had here, is why would you make a Mothership product? Like, what's the value here? Um, and then I think we'll kind of just do a short answer there, walk down the list. We'll let, uh, what I like to do though, <laughs> short answers, listen, Eric, I know you're laughing. Um, but what I like to do here is I'm going to turn it to Marco and you're going to give the full answer here. And then if anybody wants to add on something, that's great. And then the next question I'll turn over to Joel to give a full answer. And then if anybody wants to add on something, that's great. All right. And then when, when it gets to you, Eric. Uh, you can you can you can talk as long right. as you need. Ad nauseum. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, Marco, why would somebody like what's what's the perks of making Mothership as opposed to other RPGs? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the setting. I write sci-fi because even though fantasy is so open-ended, sci-fi to me is the most open-ended uh, genre there is. Uh, you can insert history, you can insert fantasy into it, you can insert technology, and all these like wonderful parts of it. Um, and then horror to me like surprise, you know, and that's like your key component to running a really exciting game. Uh, and then on top of that, rules wise, it's easy to do. Um, especially their strength mechanic is it, it's almost like it provides you a key component to ramp up throughout the adventure. And so it's 
far as like adventure design goes, is that mechanic itself lends uh, a steady hand of guidance while making for mothership. Uh, uh, the last thing I'd probably mention is the community and how Sean and TJ and his team fosters that community. They're very third party first. They're very helpful, uh, even to the point of purchasing from you once you publish. Um, <laughs> but it's just a very thriving community that you can talk to. You can be the newbie at, even after publishing, asking questions that you might feel uncomfortable, like, oh, I feel a little like so newish, but everyone's so helpful. And uh, I really love being part of like, their Discord. Uh, yeah, it's probably, probably the main yeah Bill anything that you would add to that yeah I'd, I'd say in uh, in design I'm, I'm definitely a module adventure design focused person as a, I, I'm, my, my systems uh, mechanics design skills uh, it's not exactly a, a focus of mine particularly and so in looking for a system to design for I like things that are as you mentioned sort of a light uh, easy sort of to uh, uh, not a lot of burden uh, of writing to get the stat blocks into something to get the mechanical elements into it and uh, Mothership's really great for that. I, I like how uh, breezy it is to get something in and have a, a runnable uh, adventure module. And um, the other uh, thing I'd add is that the, because of the community and the interest, uh, there's a lot of people who want to get your thing for Mothership. There's a lot of people who want to pay you money for your Mothership thing, and which is nice. Um, and I, I really like a lot of other science fiction systems as well. Uh, however, they're... Uh, to the best of my knowledge, and I'm, I'm sort of seeing uh, within a niche, within a niche, right? So I've got blinders on. I'm not seeing the whole RPG spectrum, but uh, my understanding is that at this given day, there's very few RPG sci-fi systems that have the uh, support for third-party uh, creators that mm-hmm. exist in leadership and the interest uh, from people willing to give you money for your stuff. Perfect. Uh, Eric, anything you want to add to that? Um, what was the question again? Yeah, why would you make a mothership <laughs> thing? Like, why? Uh, self-expression and cash money. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Makes sense. Yeah. Fast, easy. Yep. Um, I am more of a story guy than a mechanics guy. Um, and one of the reasons that I was inspired to write Adventures for Mothership is uh, at uh, looking at the world of game design booth and seeing, looking for an adventure for me to run and seeing how many choices there were. If you looked at all of these adventures... They are, uh, it's all the same system. They're completely different stories. They can be inspired by the Old West themes. They True. can be inspired by uh, you know, you know, some hard SF tech, you know, transhumanist concepts. They can be inspired by just a good old day story. And I'm like, I, that I've got stories that I can tell in this system, and it's very welcoming, uh, as, as I said, to, to uh, third parties to tell those stories. So you, couldn't wait. you have Cloud Empress, right? Yeah. And you have stuff like Dying Hard, you know? It's like your hard science fiction to like your, you know, your high concept science fiction. Yeah, a couple things that we didn't mention. Um, so Mothership, we talked about Mothership, we talked about Mothership, we talked about Mothership. Mm-hmm. The engine underneath that is the Panic Engine. Mm-hmm. And you just mentioned Cloud Empress, yep. right? Like people have already started to take the underlying engine and take it out of sci-fi and put it into others. And while you're losing some of your audience when you do that, because at Kukor, the community branding. is sci-fi horror, um, being able, and branding, yeah, that, that underlying engine can be distributed into other, like a fantasy game, and it is being doing, it has, that has started already, mm-hmm. and uh, there's been several people that have seen some success in mm-hmm. that way, so we're going to focus mainly on sci-fi horror today, yep. but just know that, like, the engine is accommodating. The other, only thing I'll say there is you talked about the community, but especially the creators, the owners putting third-party stuff first. And I just want to back that up with saying, I, I had a conversation with Sean last week about what does Mothership look like for 2024? And the first words out of his mouth were supporting third-party creators. How can we make sure that there's that they have the resources that they need, that their books are in front of everybody? When our book comes out, we don't want to shove everything to the side. We want to be alongside the third-party team showcasing things. Sean's a rad dude. You just message him. Like, what's up? We talk to him all the time. I'm yeah. on the airplane. Yeah, yeah, he's super nice. They're super accessible, and they want you to succeed right along with them. That's that's so huge. That is uh, refreshing. Yeah, refreshing, absolutely. So I'm going to turn the next question over to Joel here. So if you want to design for mothership, this is a pretty straightforward question in some ways. But what is the 
nuts and bolts, streamlined version of what's the process of getting a mothership product approved, or what's the license, or whatever it is you need that way. Sure. Yeah. So um, basically, the, the process, like you have a module, you make a module, uh, you have your adventure, you have your, your scenario, whatever it is, and you don't, you can just write up a rough draft. You don't need the uh, edit. It doesn't need to be edited. You don't need your images. Uh, just have your rough draft, and then you send that over uh, to Tuesday Night Games for approval. And the, the sort of fra uh, framework of it, it uh, comes across as a little scary to some people uh, because a lot of uh, open uh, third-party licenses, you just uh, put the, uh, the the branding on it, right, and then uh, make sure you're following the uh, boilers that they have. And this one, they want to currently, uh, the way it's structured, you email them, they look over it. However, in reality, it's not exactly um, a, a stressful procedure. Uh, they look over it. Basically, they want to make sure it's A, not just complete, like a like a bigoted hate speech yeah. steel grant or... Sexual violence. Yeah, like it's... And, but they're not looking... It's, it's a horror RPG. They're not looking to censor your creativity either. Um, and they'll approve it within a day or two usually. Uh, I haven't heard anybody getting uh, denied for anything. They're not looking for quality either, which is good uh, because expect, like you don't want their judgment of what they think is, is good, their specific interest to be a filter. Um, and so right now, uh, that you send that over, they give you the approval, and then you can slap the mothership thing on it. Um, I, I think it would be perhaps ideal in the future uh, if they transition to something that was more sort of traditional, because we are sort of dependent on Sean being a rad dude. Uh, rad it's, dude it's, he is a rad dude. Uh, and so uh, hopefully it, it, that either just continues in that way, or uh, they, they open to something that's a little more like a turnkey that's... Uh, because he is like one guy, but that's that's just I'm 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 opinion. Uh, that's just a, an opinion for the future. But right now, it's fine. It's easy. Anybody can do it. Then you'd put a little disclaimer in the credit yes. line. You get the little uh, compatible with Mothership yes. logo, and you don't owe anything. There's it's a no. free. It's a free license. Don't yeah. need to muck with it. Eric, anything you would add to that? Yeah. So like, I'm a gatekeeper. Like, like I'll just go out and say it. Like, there's a lot of guys who take advantage of licenses. Like, more important people just put out anything. Like, like. like low-hanging fruit, like low-effort stuff. So I try to be a gatekeeper a little bit to like make sure there's quality, keep the brand out there, keep it strong. Because there is a, there is a tendency to water it down because you can't make money on Kickstarter. You can. But like, let's, you know, sci-fi horror, in my opinion, needs to be out front. Like some kind of horror theme needs to be out front, in my opinion. Yeah. But that's my only... Yeah. Yeah. Purist or whatever. That's good. That's good. That's a, I, I like a controversial opinion. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah dude. Oh, yeah. dude. I'll tell you like it is. <laughs> Greg, anything you'd add to that? Um, not really. I mean, um, like Joel said, the process when when I did mine was painless. Yeah, it's Sean's a red dude. There are people though in this game hall, in the exhibit hall, that will say they they choose to not publish Mothership because of what the pain point that you mentioned, which is you have to write a full draft before, yeah. and then you no, don't know no. if you're going to get approved. That said, though, like a rough, yeah. rough, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say, though, it's interesting you said that because uh, when I submitted our first Scrap Rats thing, the email I got back was, this is approved, we're not worried about it, but also, it feels like you're still working on it, like there's there were still chapters that were left, and I'm like, yeah. typically we want a complete rough draft. But, but also it's approved. approved. Well, yeah, but also it's approved. Yeah, yeah. Karen was like, oh no, we just want to see something written down. Like, I don't know, they're all over the place, but just don't yeah. put any hate speech in there, man. I'll clarify, so before you print, Yes, that's through. true. Yeah, that is true. Completely done PDF. Mm -hmm. So, but to use your logos to market, so like you need like a closer rough draft. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But before you print in the license, you have to send in a full, mm -hmm. fully done thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. The other thing that they're going to keep you from is uh, the hate speech and all that is definitely in there. The other thing that's in there is you cannot use the word mother or mothership yeah, in your title. Cribble that a little bit. That's why. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You can't call your game like mothership, mother mothership, world, yeah, or mother, mother, world. mother, whatever, mother boats, or, yeah. or even like mothership, the bestiary. You know, like it's you funny. Can't, we talk about behind the scenes all. He messes me, but we talk about it all the time behind the scenes. Like, yeah, but you're gonna get like check this out. You could. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna get approval for a big fat mothership logo that you could slap on anything. So even though the title can't say like mothership, the thing. You're going to have a big, iconic logo that you can slap wherever you want. Or to. a little one if that's your design. Absolutely. So uh, I think we had a lot of questions about design on on, on the uh, system and what sorts of adventures it might be 
interesting to put together and what adventures we see doing well, or not even just adventures, material that we see doing well in the spectrum. Uh, Eric, do you want to kind of dive off on that? What do you think the types of things the community really goes for? I think, I mean, this is controversial because, like, there are a lot of what? Well, I mean, because like there, there are there is a lot of. It's easy to produce. We struggle with this in the world again. It's easy to produce modules, right? Like you have an adventure, but I think there's a call for some campaign stuff, like some more like elongated. Because Sean can't decide. We go back and forth about this. If he wants to have the game based around one shots, or if he wants to have like a long campaign. I ran a membership campaign for two years with the same crew of guys, and I find the system works best when you have a, a series of four to six sessions per module and then move on to the next one. So my design philosophy moving forward is to create like a hub world, a hub system or a space and have kind of sandboxy stuff because there's a lot of modules, especially in the, in the pamphlet form that are out there right now. That you jump in, you jump out. But like like the Alien RPG has the same problem. So how do we continue this forward into a campaign setting? You know, like this more work too. Like that's what I'm trying to crack that nut right now. Yeah. yeah, horror is hard to elongate, right? Yes. And that's the reality. And potentially like a rubber band, right? It can only go so far before it breaks and bring it back. And, and yeah. if you're going to have a system in which character death is is a very present reality all the time, yes. that definitely amps up the horror. Uh, because if if character death is rare and and hard, you know, hard to do, like you know, got to knock it, but Dungeons and Dragons right now. You know, it's hard to kill a character in Dungeons and Dragons, and so that tension is relaxed somewhat. You know, the stories are about something else in D and D. If you if you can always lose a character or more than one character in a mothership or more or whatever, then it's hard to have a uh, you know uh, a, a continuity for a campaign. It's like a a series where. You know, there's a replacement actor shows up and it's like, hey, everybody remember the new guy who's been our friend for the last five years? We're getting yeah. to design philosophy where, like, if you replacement players, if people die, how many combats can they go through? In Mothership, in my opinion, it's 1.5 combats before people start dying. The old version was like two and a half, three combats before they start dying. So when you build, I build things backwards. I start with the end and I work to the beginning. How many times do I want them to encounter things before they could die? I've ki- I kill seventy five percent of my players in one shots. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, he, he didn't stutter. Drink, yeah, my, no, root, yeah. drink my root beer, he dude. Dead in my I kill yeah, people yeah. Gen- all over the place. <laughs> half the party, I tell them oh, you'll probably die. And it's my opinion: as long as players have some level of agency when they die, you can kill them. If they die in an important way, if you get like karate kicked off screen and they die, they get mad. I don't surprise players. That kills them. They get mad. I, if they die, they die in service of the plot, and they're fine. Usually, if, if, gotcha. if, if everyone's worried about killing people, I give you permission to do it. This is how you do it. Just make sure it's in service of the plot, and you're fine. Yeah. Anything that you would add to that, Marco, as far as uh, as far as what sorts of adventures or what sort of content the community seems to really like? Yeah. 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 So since I just met Eric, I'm going to provide a counterpoint to his like Let's go. fear for or first, um, which is just to say. The fact of the matter is there's a ton of mothership stuff that spans from, you know, uh, like, is it poor first? But it's important to bring that component in at some point. Like, the Pound of Flesh is a first-party module, and there is a shore-leave sandbox. There's definitely a horror location and an adventure to go through, but that's not at the heart of it. Which is totally fine, and I think that's what I lean into sometimes, and sometimes I lean into the horror. It's not to forget that the core panic engine works off of stress, so you can have a lot of role playing in there. You can have elongated sessions. I completely agree with the four to six sessions, but uh, but the core of what you choose to publish can really be a breadth of wherever you want to go. Um, you know, to be more specific about what makes a good um, piece is to uh, make sure that you're leaning in to the few mechanics that really make Mothership Mothership. And really, that's the panic engine. Mm-hmm. And it's also the new wound system. Wow. Uh, you have a chance to die after your first wound. Mm-hmm. Um, Gunshots and, matter. Everything and matters. And that happened, oh, shoot, it actually probably happened a third of my character. 
player character deaths, uh, this con that I run ran games. And so, yeah, but other than that, um, any speak? setting can really fit. We have a couple people who are new to the system in here. Can you speak just briefly to what the panic mechanic is? Yep, yeah. So, okay, so when you're running a game, if you're running one shots, um, you'll gather stress more frequently. But the core of it is any failed roll, uh, you gain a point of stress. Uh, your minimum stress starts at two, and at some point, you might panic. Every time you crit fail, you'll panic. And then sometimes, the first time you see like a four, you may panic as well. Ward uh, uh, discretion. When you panic, you roll a d20, and it's a roll over to succeed. So the higher your stress is, the more likely you are to panic. And the lower that roll is, the less um, awful thing happens to your character. In fact, I think the one is... It's good. Yeah, it's good. Is you can get bonuses and stuff. Yeah, and then the rest of them can be conditions. You can you can die on the twenty, I believe. Uh, but but that in a nutshell, and really in a ninety eight percent of what the panic engine is, is that. I mean, if you play Call of Cthulhu, the same deal. It's just more cleaned up. Right. Yeah, it's super clean. Yeah, same deal. Yeah. If you if you've ever played the Alien RPG as well, yeah. like. So similar. Yeah, no, I mean, the dice are different and stuff, but see, yeah, healing yeah. characters, players seeing on their sheet that number ticking up of stress and knowing that panic is on the horizon, it's incredible how well that system actually communicates and inspires stress within the player, not just the character. And, and that's what that lends it a level of authenticity. Right. An immersion to the, to the experience that you don't get with a lot of other RPGs. One thing I do like that he did, he took the clinical terms out, like post-traumatic, whatever, or like, and he put in like role-playing descriptives that, that mesh easier into the narrative. I don't, like, yeah. why would I be paranoid? Why would I be like, you know, an alcoholic now? Like, no, you're not, you're not an alcoholic. Like, you do this. Yeah. It makes more sense. Uh, Joel, anything yeah, that you would add there? For sure. I, I think uh, it's, on the and the question is like which what do people like with modules and yeah. content for mothership? And I think that there's sort of two sort of core aspects of that sort of hold up mothership. It's like what is it good at, or what if, what do people like in mothership? So first, there's the intense like one shot like Alien the movie, right? Mm -hmm. And that is that is or you know Event Horizon. It's the uh, heart of it. Yeah, that is the heart. That is the beating. Like that that, that is like where mothership uh, sort of grew, twisted limbs and crawled out of, right? Um, however, uh, if you want to play in a long-term campaign setting, there's also a lot of uh, desire for that. And that's sort of where like Shore Leave uh, comes in, where uh, the Warden's Operation Manual, which is available in PDF, uh, sort of details like, some campaign frameworks and also some third-party content like Full Breach, which is a collection of different uh, short modules that are interconnected in like a sector. Which an, is anthology. Yeah. an anthology. An anthology, yes. Um, and so um, figuring out, I think there's intense, like, one-shot-esque, two-shot, uh, where 90% of people are going to die, which, uh, or some high percentage, right? It's a high-risk scenario. However, if you want to have some continuity, figuring out a framework, like, maybe uh, uh, you're all members of, like, a generation ship, and your your different parties are set off to check things out, and maybe one guy makes it back and is, like, the grizzled player. Uh, Mothership has this thing called the high score. You don't have a level. You never level up. You can get your stats uh, slightly better. Uh, but uh, as you play more games with the same character, you just pick up the high score, which is sort of uh, fun in a video game way. Like if somebody has seven on their character sheet, that's pretty wild. Um, and getting into that, uh, so making content for campaigns, people seem to respond well to things that aren't always high, high like adrenaline top of the top of the list. Like uh, things that are have core elements in them, but are not themselves in incredibly like uh, you know thriller horror movie tension all the time. Uh, I sort of come from like an old school D&D like sandboxy background mm -hmm. uh, and there is a lot of overlap with old uh, D&D and horror like you're sort of you're crawling through like the dungeon you're trying to avoid like uh, getting eaten by the gelatinous cube falling through the pit you're just some dude trying to get get by which is very much like mothership you're just trying to get by uh, in, in this sort of harsh and terrible universe that corporations and horrors hate you um, and so horrors um, uh, and so Ooh. sorry <laughs> Just to clarify, um, and, and <laughs> I'm pulling that out. That's going to be yeah. the cold open yeah. of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, anyway, um, 
Sorry, I lost my train there. So uh, a lot of my stuff is like sort of like a, a sandboxy type. It has more elements in it, um, not, uh, but it provides like a, a spacer if you're doing a campaign and, and yeah. things other people do too. Because if you want a long campaign uh, and you want to maintain that thrill level, you can't just hit people with alien event horizon level stuff all the all time the because it'll dull the senses, right? You'll they won't. They'll be like, oh, another tendrilless being has erupted from my bowels. You know, like. You don't. You Here never, we go again. You never want someone to say that. You, oh, you no, want them to freak again. out. Be like, oh, this in con. There is a contrast to that, and I think in a campaign play, you need sometimes. It can't be awful all the time for it to feel truly awful at the times when it is awful. You, they need to be. You, you need to have that like a a normality, or at least a oh, this sucks a little bit, as opposed to this is the worst thing ever. Existential panic, I guess. And so, uh, just splicing that in. There's modules that you can make that are on all the time in modules that are a little bit more higher survivability, I think. And there, there's a spectrum of those. People are interested in everything for campaign play. As long as it's fun and they have choices and there's some element of uh, riskiness. Yeah. Actually, building on from that, um, one of the things I have found that players respond to in the adventures I've written um, is one of the things that, that balances humor very well and helps manage that tension is humor. Is you know because again you don't want it to be you don't want to make the trouble with tribbles in your um, in your mothership game necessarily but having as this tension is building up a bit of humor that doesn't help the characters any but gives the players a minute to break that tension um, mm-hmm. that uh, the bonus situation it's a bonus yeah the bonus situation it, it makes. Exactly, or um, (laughs) just um, like dropping a detail into the module that might be, you know, a a reference to something. I've been fear and loathing. I have a a random event that is a reference to an entirely different um, RPG. Um, There's you might pass some graffiti on the wall that says "Happiness is mandatory," and and if you know, you know. Yeah. But uh, but I've never run that where someone at the table hasn't gotten it. The thing I'll add, as someone who goes to shows, conventions, and does demos, but also works the booth and talks about these products, I can tell you a couple things. Joel, you talked about things that have a higher level of survivability, right? Desert Moon of Karth, your book, is one of our best-selling books, has been for a long time. Desert Moon of Karth is, a, is quite literally a sandbox, right? And it does have a little, yeah. little on the nose, but it, it's, you know, it's this, it's this desert moon setting guide, and there's little tidbits of horror everywhere, but there's also just weird stuff going on and NPCs. And yeah, it's a chill ride with Joel. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's listen to some chill beats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you put out the beach, the beach plant, uh, yeah. is it uh, Manning, whatever yeah. Yeah. yeah, you got, we're yeah. chilling. Yeah. Those are great, like, because the GMs are recognizing, right, that, like, you can only have so many, um, you can only have so many Event Horizon style things. You can only have so many rain and bloods before you need us. You need <laughs> that. So, um, We're the right way over here. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'd say sort of like also vice versa. Like if everything, like your 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 point to like mothership at its core is horror. I, I agree with entirely. And you, you don't want like an entire campaign composed of chill or or moderately stressful or even medium stressful stuff. You want some you want some blood. You want some awful things happening to to, to see the strength of mothership. However, if you like a firefly type campaign, you could run that in mothership, but it wouldn't be playing as much to the strength. I think I think it is at its core a horror RPG. And I'll say right behind Desert Moon is Rain and Blood. And Dave Kenny stuff like Dying Hard on Hard Light Station, Dave things Kenny, like the, that. The, the triumvirate of the red-haired people. Yeah, exactly. One, yeah. two, three. Yeah. Joel, me, and David. Dave, yeah. So so I would say, like, from the booth perspective, we see that people go nuts for adventures, and they go nuts for setting-specific stuff. With adventures, though, really what they love is seeing a really cool, clever idea. Right? That's the big selling point. Things that sell for us... Like like rain and blood, you got the you know the the ship full of vampires, right? Space vampire pirates. No, I never right? say the word vampire. Either. Yeah, what? Never say the word vampire. And you never say the word vampire, but that's what it is, right? <laughs> um, and and space pirate vampires. People like that. Die hard on hard light station. I mean, it's die hard in space, right? Like yeah, I usually take two teams and marry them together. They yeah, people yeah. people that, dig it because they understand it right away. It, it's it, so it's, cool. It's sort of a cheat code. If you have a fun thing, a thing you like, another thing you like that's different, you mash them together, yep. and you're passionate about both, and then the blend will be something new, and mm. people will be like, oh, I like both these things. And you can add it. It doesn't need to be just that 50-50. You're obviously going to 
add your own spin, but that's sort of a nice starting point, I think. I, I had a voice actor do Wesley Slice quotes. Oh, oh yeah? <laughs> that's awesome. Just throw it out there. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'll say real quick is um, I think that you talked about hardcovers and we talked about campaigns, and I agree yeah. that the, the industry needs a lot more of that. Are we, we're ready for camp, some campaigns sure. that are really expansive. Yep. That said, trifold adventures, pamphlet adventures, really small things, uh, there's always going to be a request for that. So if you're looking at this and you're saying, what can we, what can I write or what should I write? Like, if you don't want to muck around with the campaign, you shouldn't write a small thing. In fact, yep. I'd so encourage small. you, start small. small with, yeah, do, you know, uh, do a do a collection of weapons, a new wep some weapon tables, or do do a short adventure, or do a, do a space station. I think a space station is one of the coolest things that you can put out. Where are you going to go? The ship. Where are you going to go? Because your ships need some place to dock, and there can be some really cool stuff there. That's a good, like, filler segment in between adventures anyway. So space stations are really cool, or spaceports in general. Yeah. Um, what else we got? Yeah. Yeah, thank you, man. See you, dude. Thank yeah. you. Do any of you have additional questions before I move on? we got about 15 minutes here. Um, so from a graphic perspective. Oh, ooh, ooh. Marco, let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's very exciting. Yeah. You know, like, I, you know, I play a lot of DCs. Like sure. Specific Look. So that's a good question. Let me start by saying this: Sean McCoy cannot draw. However, he make he script the, the first version is just scribbles in his kids' drawings. What they're like creepy, and he just tweaked them. But Sean's background is also in technical design, so he I give him a lot of credit for bringing in very tight layout where art is r slash data art is beautiful. So I make textbooks and instructional manuals for restaurants and all kind of places. So. I saw that I, I I love charts, infographics, that kind of stuff. So if you work in finance, it's all Venn diagram, all that stuff. So like, you'd be surprised how much you can get away with just that, and then splashing some images in there. And as you begin to progress, like right now, my, my next book, like four grand with an art commission. My first book, two hundred dollars with an art commission. Now I can do art, for example, me, but it just I rather do design work because the illustration part just takes so much time because I'm very picky about it, a lot of photo collage stuff. But like, don't let the art slow you down. Like stock, little stock stuff. You can, I don't want to, you know, there's a lot of places you can go to for that. Or even like, five, I hired guys on Fiverr, for like tw Brazilian dudes for like 30 bucks who just do, just want some cash, you know, and I fixed it in Photoshop. Don't let the art be the limiter for design stuff. There is no um, pure aesthetic. I've seen stuff from all over the gambit in Photoshop. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, Photoshop. Yeah. Just look at the, uh, Look at the just six or seven modules just right here on the table, and then go down and look at the two or three dozen modules from pamphlets to, to zines at the World Game Design booth. I mean, what a, what a, that was one of the things that helped inspire me is just the, the different appearance. Just there was such a world of possibility. You could do almost anything, and and you could tell that just from how it looked, not even from reading all of them. I, uh, I love. I love, I think it's highlighted in your adventure, Fear and Loathing, and in all these up here, maybe. Um, but your comment on technical design and layout, that is really where I think Mothership products stand out above a lot of others. They typically don't have a traditional layout, but also they don't go gonzo typically like into Morkborg territory. You have to be gameful. You have yeah. to be able to use my book. Joel's brought that too. Like, you have to be able to use my book. Um, this is not a magazine or a flyer. Yeah. You've got to be able to use it. It's a really, it's a really iconic thing, I think, for the system at large. You've got to find outliers, but at, for the system at large, I think that there's a really beautiful technical aesthetic to them that that I think lends itself to the the sci-fi feel, but also just it, it it makes it pop. Anything over here? Yeah, yeah. So to his point, and if you look at Eric's stuff compared to well, you know Sean. my work, Marco. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, you do oh, great yeah. work. Thanks, Eric. Eric. Al Sandor does amazing work. Uh, <laughs> oh, but no, if you look at it, it he Zach's right. A lot of it is very rooted in technical design, especially with that like sci-fi flair, you know, or corporate design, but made to actually look attractive. And um, but that, as a core, can go in a lot of very nice directions. And I find like my background's also in uh, graphic design and layout and so I prefer like very like large headers uh, 
very clean. Uh, I don't use columns because I'm dumb, but basically two column or single column stuff. Um, and just making sure that as it, just as you do like a proofreading pack, really looking at it, what one the how the information is being read from it and adjusting there, and then two, what's just aesthetically pleasing about it. So you start with the root of the root that is really clean and actually fairly easy to jump into. Even if you look at like some of you know the greats and layout that aren't here, like Eric and Eric. the other Eric oh. and uh, Lone Archivist, you know, starting from uh, things that you've seen and just putting it into Affinity or InDesign and then changing it from there. Um, is, is really just a very fruitful and, and easy to get into, easier than you think it would be getting into the actual design of it. Start with colors, yeah. shapes, fonts, and then it, you'd be surprised. Then, like, just things that you like, color schemes, movies that you like. Color, I'm a big color palette guy. Everything has, like, a color palette, and I go for there. And yeah. yeah. Good, good yeah. awesome place. Right. Yeah. Everybody you do the layout, too, Zach. It's awesome. awesome. I'm not going to that. No. Come on, bro. No. No, you guys are killing it. But yeah, my, my biggest uh, <laughs> advice is just look at the other books. Um, and if you have it in the PDF, you literally paste in and remake and then adjust from there. Use that as a wireframe if oh, yeah. you don't have technical skill to start with. Because, I mean, it is a little bit of a beast to start using like Publisher or uh, InDesign, but um, having that, those as wireframes, like, Perfect place. Start with Affinity, man. It's free. Not yeah. free, but thirty bucks. Scribus, Scribus is free. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, anything. Gimp, Gimp is completely free. Yeah, people use people sure. even use Canva. I'll, Canva. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you what, I started now. most of my stuff that's in was published printing or uh, designing through Figma. Figma, which, yeah. Which yeah. is super easy to use, but it's seventy-two DPI unless you make it really large, and it's RGB, so you have to be a little careful, but. I I recommend it as a starting point. It's free up until however many you're using. But yeah, you can use all kinds of free stuff. Affinity Publisher though is like seventy bucks one time, and that's what most people. I highly recommend it. It's always on sale too. Yeah, it's fifty. It's always on sale though. Because I'm not. I, I reject Adobe. This point, my yeah, you can get the whole suite. Like, uh, yeah. It's a friendly one time purchase. Yep. Get, um, get the UI is really awesome. Yeah. Sometimes it's cheaper to get all three. The warning, the warning sign I'll give to that, and then I want to I give Greg an op- uh, a question real quick here. But one, the one warning I will give to that is if you're working with other creators, make sure that you understand what platforms they're using. Because, as an example, you know, uh, I, am, I am an Adobe guy. Yeah. And me and Eric, uh, I, Eric makes incredible stuff. I make not so incredible stuff <laughs> and when i send eric files he's like dude you need to do this to him because i can't like open that file the same so that to say adobe and affinity don't play nice together perfectly so if you have a partner or something like that that's going to wow. be working with like you some shade at the panel yeah <laughs> <laughs> like like okay, maybe sorry, my bad, dude. no no um i would say collaborate with them and especially if you have a graphic designer that you're working with before you go buy anything Talk to them about what they use because if they use Figma, if they use Adobe, or if they use Affinity or whatever, like that's gonna be that's gonna make your process a little bit smoother to just to have be compatible right from the start. Greg, we got just a couple minutes here. I was gonna turn the last thing over to you, which is what's something about Mothership that we haven't covered yet that you think should be brought up in this panel? Um, That's a really great question. equipment um, because we always do uh, character creation because it's so easy everything's everything if you haven't played mothership it's right on the character sheet everything you need to generate the character um, and you roll randomly for your equipment which may or may not be terribly useful uh, armor is very important but uh, armor uh, can break um, and um there's a point in uh, Fear of Moving, the adventure I wrote, where the characters might be faced with losing their equipment, and players hate that, uh, which is why I put it in on purpose. <laughs> um, but, um, but it 
equipment, the opportunity to get more, the, the opportunities in your adventure to just, like, there is no way of replenishing your ammo. You know, so, like, yeah, you've got this big hoity-toity smart rifle that does 3d10 of damage and inflicts a wound and however many shots you got that that's it you know you're in a um so um it has things that are just they're just there they're just elements in the game but they can be used and tweaked in an adventure to uh up the horror up the tension without even adding stress i love that you brought that up as the last thing because i think it highlights like, Joel, you talked about the high score aspect, right? Gear in Mothership is some, is kind of almost a replacement for leveling up a yeah. class. You get weird stuff you find. Yeah, tools. It's, yeah. Tool. Yeah. it's a return back to a more traditional style of game, right? Where your equipment and what you have on your character sheet and what you can carry and all that is meaningful. And, and players are excited to go raid a storage locker, right? right? That, I think, is huge. And I think it's... You don't know how different that is until you sit down and your players sit down and they're like, oh, my character hasn't progressed in three sessions. And then they find an armory on this abandoned military installation and it feels like they just leveled it's up. Christmas. So, yeah, it's yeah. a really... You take like, it all away. That's and, a cool <laughs> feeling. Yeah. And, and where that hits, the, the beautiful thing is I love, it's always fun to see when you run Mothership a few times during character creation... You know, oh yeah, and roll two d ten times twenty times ten for your credits. Everybody's like, yay, I have six hundred credits. And then you look at the equipment thing, and I can't afford any of this. Yeah. You know, gee, I'd love to have an actual weapon instead of my scalpel, but <laughs> nope. Yeah. A gallon of gasoline and baseball. So, so, so yeah, so those it, uh, and that helps drive them. That helps. That's that's another thing that an adventure can motivate people is like if you can. Why are they going? It might be nothing more than the cash. Yeah. You know, that they need money just to survive, to heal up stress. And shore, you know, shore leave is expensive. So uh, those, again, those are just carrots you can dangle in front of them just to motivate them. Yeah, cool. Awesome. So first off, thank you guys for, for chatting with me and, and for coming up here. If you want to check out their stuff, pretty much all of these guys' stuff is downstairs in the hall. But also, you can go to Silver Arm Press and check out Joel's stuff. You can go to Spicy Tuna, Spicy Tuna RPG, Spicy Tuna Games to check out Marco's stuff. Um, Spider User X. Google me, I'm everywhere, baby. Yeah, that's right. And you've got an itch where a lot of your stuff can be found. Um, and then Greg's stuff and my stuff and everybody's stuff can be found at store.wogd, store.wogd.com or down in the thing. Thank you all for coming. I really appreciate it.